Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ale and a Ghostly Tale. I am joined tonight by Brian. Hello there. And our resident ghost whisperer, Justin. Hello, hello, been a while. And my co-host with the most, Mitch. Hey everybody, and welcome back. And tonight we're going to do a super special episode. This is our Solnal episode, the Lunar New Year episode. And Solnal in South Korea is a very important holiday. It's really probably the most important holiday. Like we would value Christmas, they would value Solnal because that's the start of the Lunar New Year. And the lunar calendar is very important in Korean tradition. And this was a very important gathering. And, you know, family members come together, they share a a big meal. The younger members of the family pay tribute to the older members uh, doing, uh, they do a bow and uh, the older members would give them envelopes full of cash. I remember, uh, it, it was really interesting when I lived in Korea for a while we were, the relatives would come and, and basically my sister's, well, my sister-in-law and her family would come and the kids would do the bow for grandma and they'd get some money. And uh, of course they'd be wearing their hanbok, which is their traditional Korean attire. So it, it was just a really nice get together and celebration. And we wanted to honor that today by telling some Korean stories and Maybe we'll find a little bit more out about this holiday as we go along. So in order to get this party started, I decided to, for my drink tonight, Not so I'll start with my story. I guess, did, did I even introduce myself tonight? No, nope. you did not. No, you didn't. But that's all right. Yeah. Keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling, folks. Yeah. So... <laughs> Sometimes well, I get so machine around here. All right. So th- there's going to be some, there'll be a little bit of creative editing here, but I'm going to leave in my <laughs> mistake, I think. Uh, but yeah, yeah, folks, just so you know, sometimes I get so excited about our guests that I forget to introduce myself. And I am, in fact, Nathaniel. And uh, Mitch and I run this little show here. So if this is your first time, you are in for a treat. And our, as a tradition on Ale and a Ghostly Tale, before we tell a story, we have the adult beverage of our choice, and then we tell the spooky story. Now, in this case, tonight, I am having something called Maishal Jew. And this is a very, very special Maishal Jew because this was made by my mother-in-law, and we brought it back with us. To make this Maishal Jew, Maishal, first of all, Maishal means plum, and, and the, these are... It's it based Brian. It'd be like similar to the Japanese plums that you that you would get when you were in Japan, and or uh-huh. you know those plum blossoms, the same type of tree. And, and what we yeah. do is we gather the plums, and you you put them in a well. There's different. Sometimes you can put it in like a a big glass container, but I think one of the preferred vessels for it is a big clay pot, terracotta pot. Yeah, <laughs> and then you you put the plums in. And then you can ferment it completely naturally, but it takes a long time. So what my mother-in-law likes to do is she takes a a 25% pure soju and she adds that, she puts that in and then she- What's the normal amount of like soju? 
I, I think normal soju is between 18 and 21% alcohol. Content. Okay. So pretty strong then. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is, yeah, this is a 25% one. And then she adds a, a certain amount of sugar and then she seals it and it has to sit at least a hundred days. But I think before we open them, usually it's usually a couple years. So there, there's actually some additional fermentation that does go on. So the percentage is, I think it's probably like closer to 30, maybe 28, 30%, some, somewhere in there. It's not like an exact amount, but it's darn good. And as a surprise, my wife brought some back for me. My mother-in-law was very happy to get it to me because she knew how much I liked it. So I'm going to have a sip here. Mm. And it is, it, it has that, it has a very sweet plum taste. It's very smooth, but it has this, has a very nice depth and warmth to it. I I'm, it might I might even say it's like a very bold uh, flavor, just that way it hits you. You know, it, it's oh man, it's so nice, Mitch. <laughs> one of these days, I think we're gonna come visit you first, because I keep talking to you, and he's like, I'm so tired. We better just go. <laughs> we're gonna have to go visit you guys. Uh, <laughs> but but I'll br- I'll bring um I'll see if I can. I gotta figure out how I can bring this. We'll, we'll work on that. Water bottle. There. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Dear God. Well, if we drive, I mean, who cares, right? Yeah, well, that's true. Open yeah, container. <laughs> You'll get what's left. Just bring the pot, put it in the back seat, <laughs> strap it in. By the way, folks, uh, we just like to take this moment to tell you we are <laughs> joking about a lot of this stuff. Drink responsibly. Don't oh, drink no. and drive. Yeah. Okay. Not, that's not our joking disclaimer. at all. Drink all the time, nonstop. <laughs> as long as it's water. Let the world just become a Bukowski, Salvador Dali, mm. Bosch nightmare for you. Yeah, just end up that way. Oh man, <laughs> man, I love this stuff. This 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 Maisel juice is so good. She does like a blackberry one. Oh my god, it's good. just uh, we got we actually have like a, a variation of the blackberry one upstairs too. So I'll probably do that on another episode. It's just so good. It's so good. And she also makes like a macial syrup and you can use that. You, you basically, if you take like a, a carbonated water, a sparkling, whatever sparkling water you like, but at a higher uh, carbonation level, you put some of that uh, macial um, chung, which is, it's just macial syrup, the, the plum syrup, mix that together. It's like a nice soft drink. Uh, and, and it's better than having like a soda. And, and you can even add some alcohol to that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't mix this Maisel Jew with like bubbling water. It won't come out nice. So I would recommend like maybe using like vodka or something to spice up that other one. But anyway, yeah. So that's my drink for the night. I have a really great Korean story for you. This one is about a giant serpent or giant snake, right? So snakes have a very special place in Korean mythology. And this story is pretty cool because... I've heard, I've heard different stories with snakes and there's some good snakes, there's bad snakes. There's like one called a gurangi and it's like this giant serpent that goes around and causes uh, havoc. But in this case, this one is called Nemugi. So let's get into it. So there's this guy who's been away from home for a long time and he, he just recalled the story he heard. And... His island that he's from is called Byungpung Island, and it's in Jolomnamdo. And basically, 
it's it's a very rugged island, lots of cliffs, breathtaking view. You know, it, it's a it's a really really beautiful rustic island, but it also has loads of snakes. Apparently, there's <laughs> just a lot of snakes there. I, I would wager to say that probably in the summertime it has almost a tropical like climate. Because I, I think Korean islands are are kind of like that in the uh, summer. Even Seoul can feel like that. Seoul feels like Florida in the summer, you know. So and it's green and humid and has loads of mosquitoes. So I felt like I was in Florida sometimes. But anyway, here's the story with this guy. There's this newlywed couple, and they're taking a boat, and they're going they're island hopping basically for for this vacation they're on, and. One of the stops is Byungpung Island. And there's a woman and she's just feeling seasick. So she wants to take a break. And when they get off that, when they get off, they see this pine tree and there's a python, a python. This is Korea, mind you. There's a python coiled around the pine tree looking up at the sky. And so what does the woman say? She's like, oh my God. How in the world can there be such a big snake here? I mean, you know, because in Korea, you don't have these. And the moment she says that, the snake, this giant python, this impossible python that's looking at this guy, lowers its head, and then just stares at her with like this murderous glance. <laughs> and then it just, it, it slithers down the tree and then disappears into the forest. And everybody's like, and, and she's just freaked out about this. It's time for them to get back on the boat. And, and so she goes and she gets back on the boat. And the second that she steps on the boat, a thunderstorm moves in. And, and the rain, I mean, there, there's a downpour. Clouds have gathered and the boat cannot operate. And everybody's getting like freaked out on the boat. And then there's this elderly woman who's also on the boat. And, and she... She tells that young woman, she's basically, get the hell off the boat right now to the young woman. And so they, they moved the boat back towards the dock uh, because they, they'd gone out a little bit. Lady gets off the boat and the storm stops. And everybody's like, what happened? And, 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 and the, the old lady goes, she scolds the wife and she says, and she demands an apology. You need to apologize to that snake because that thing that you saw she she basically saw what the lady had done that was an emugi and that was a that was basically a snake it was a creature that was aspiring to become a dragon it was in this transitional phase and and so it has to be in like this place it has to be focused on that and and a lot of times i i guess one of the transformational cues is if somebody recognizes an emugi and says you are a dragon it will transform into a dragon and it will shed the snake skin and ascend into the heavens. So, I mean, I mean, that's kind of a wild story. I don't know if I believe that one, but it is pretty cool. And I don't doubt that somebody might see like a giant snake somewhere, you know. But uh, even in Korea, I, I, I did have when I was living in Korea. I right around the corner from my mother-in-law's house, there's a guy that sells all kinds of exotic animals and lots of mostly snakes and turtles and all that and reptiles and all that crap so 
Anyway, I, I just thought that that was a pretty cool story, and and, and it's this tradition. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's something to think about. But it, is it really a dragon? I, I don't know about that, but I I wouldn't doubt that somebody saw something like that. I think that's very possible. <laughs> Any thoughts? That's crazy. Um, There's a snake of that kind in that location, so it definitely makes mm-hmm. you wonder. I yeah, there there aren't any snakes like that in that area. It's so, hard to uh especially when it comes to snakes, like the python is very distinguished. Like you're, you if you know what it looks like, you know, you're not gonna just mistake it when you see it again. So and I mean, Python, anaconda, boa, something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's scary though. Like let's put it this way. If I was in Korea and I just saw a giant ass snake like that, I would freak the hell out. I don't know if I go I I'd I would have been gone. I'd be like, nope, nope. I, I love this. This is one of those urban legends that, mm-hmm. like, this could have happened. But with the with the weather thing, I'm not so sure. But then again, it's Korea in the summertime. I mean, you're going to have rain on and off. I mean, Brian, you were there, right? Remember Seoul in the yeah. summer? Like, it's just like, oh, it's raining. Oh, not not anymore. Hot and we- sticky. Not, not as hot as down here. But yeah, it was nice and humid in the summertime. And mm-hmm. yeah, lots of torrential downpours. And but um yeah it was yeah so. the, the the snake thing you're talking about though i'm trying to think i think the whole time i was there i never saw a single snake like a re- like a regular snake which is unusual because i went hiking almost every weekend um and i just i guess there's just too many people on the trails they just i never was able to catch one i might have seen one once or twice that's it down down by chungaesan i think i saw one but i just saw some movement that i maybe i assumed was a snake but it was more snake-like movement than than any other small animal, and it was under the leaves, though. So. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, that that'd be crazy though. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you, but, but let's just put it this way: you see a snake in Korea looking up at the heavens, you know, oh, you look like a dragon, or, or no, you don't say you you are a dragon. That's what you gotta say. You gotta say you are a dragon. Then it becomes a dragon. Then you have a really good story. So. <laughs> Be- now, if you do that, will, will the will the Amugi reward you if you do that? It should. Well, saying, like, are, are, they, are, are they nice, like you know, like the Chinese, you know, dragons, where they'll you know give you some kind of magic gift or something? I'm not sure. That's actually a good question. I think it should. You know, you just helped it transform mm-hmm. into a dragon. All right. Well, there's my story. It's a little bit of lighter one, but I think we're going to get into a little bit spookier stuff now. So. I think, Brian, it is your turn. Can you go ahead and sh- tell us what you're drinking and then share your story? Ooh, I am. Uh, I, I busted out the, the reserve today, um, and especially because uh, uh, our, our, our host took a little while to get started. I'm on like my fifth beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started out, I had saved something for tonight I'd never had before. And it's one of those, uh, I guess they're new. It's an air, it was an Arizona hard iced tea. And I was like, you know, I like iced tea. I drink it all the time. I like Arizona tea too. It's good. I started drinking that earlier. And I, oh my god, it just, it tasted like it tasted like drinking the water out of uh, one of those tire swings that's been sitting out. Oh like, god, summer. I mean, it was just it was just awful. So I, I just threw it away. And I was like, I just go back to good old reliable Coors Light. So oh, Coors Light, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that is your fallback. <laughs> I, I don't, and I I don't fault you at that. That that's a reasonable well, fallback. So. Yeah. It's just literally, it's just the, the, I got a mini fridge down here in my office. It's just the beer I keep in the mini fridge, but I drink so rarely. This, this is the same Coors Light I've been drinking since we started doing since, this. 
Oh my god! I just now finished up the uh, the the twelve pack tonight, um, dude. But yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. We we need <laughs> yeah. a Coors Light endorsement, I think, by this point. We do for my tale tonight. My tale takes place in uh, high school in Korea, and just a very quick summary of how high school in Korea is different from Western high schools. Uh, for one thing, most of the high schools they are kind of like little gated communities. You have to go through a gate with a security guard and everything, so they're very secure. Oh yeah, uh, but also though, conversely, kind of ironically, also though, the kids are given a ton of freedom. Like it's not at all unusual for the kids to be sort of minding themselves in the classrooms. That the idea of the liability of you always have to have an adult watching them is more of a Western kind of idea, and so the kids do have a lot of freedom to do that. And the way that they are so obsessive about education in Korea because it's a Confucius culture, um, it is also not unusual in the more academic high schools like the one I'm talking about, for the students to be there until like 11 p.m. at night on a weeknight. And they're they're just studying nonstop, you know, just absolute craziness. And part of this story is going to sound unrealistic to some people. But if if you know these Korean kids that are just obsessively studying, and for them, the end of high school is the culmination of all their schooling, and they have to get into a good college no matter what. And it'll make more sense. So this took place actually at the high school that I worked at. Um, it was a big high school, uh, fit about 1,500 kids spread over three grades, and it was two different buildings. And that's important for later in the story. And this didn't happen to me. I was just, this is one of the stories you get told when you start working there because it was also a warning about staying there so late at night. And the story was that a while ago, decades ago when I was in Korea, which would have made this take place like in the 90s, that um, there was a student who had finally left the school, you know, at 11 p.m. They're going to go get on a bus. They're going to get on the subway. They're going to get a taxi. They're going to go back to their house and get their five hours of sleep until they're back at school again the next morning. And as they were leaving, they realized they'd forgotten one of their books, like a key book they need to study. They had a big test coming up. Got to pass this test. Remember, all the pressure in the world is on these teenagers. So this girl, she turns around, she heads back to the high school. The security guard isn't even awake anymore. So she basically just kind of like sneaks through like kind of a, you know, gap in the, uh, the, at the gate out front, you know, whatever, no big deal. And then the school is st- still unlocked. So she just goes into the school. There's the, uh, the emergency lights that were on because those are always on even late at night. She's going to the school. And the way my school was, the main building was five floors high. And the thing about uh, Korea is they don't have that, um, what is that called? People with Disabilities Act. I think that's what it is. And so even like a five floor building does not have to have an elevator. And so you're like, well, what if a kid's in a wheelchair? And it's like, I don't know. I guess they're on the bottom floor. Beats me. So you have to take stairs up and down no matter what. So she, her classroom was up on the fifth floor. So she goes up all these stairs, you know, the school at night, silent. And I was even, I've, I've been there before late at night too. And it is kind of spooky how silent it is at night and your footsteps echo down like those long corridors and you're going up these stairs, and it is very dark. Like, there are some lights on, but it's still quite dark, and there's shadows everywhere. Um, Legit spooky. So she's going up to the fifth floor to get her book that she left. Well, when she opens up uh, her little cubby, instead of a locker, they got cubby. She opens up her cubby and to grab her book. She notices there's something different about it this time. And she notices it right away because, boy, she has this book memorized. She stared at it so much over the like past couple of months. And so she opens, uh, gets the book out, looks at the front cover, and there's an unmistakable handprint on the front cover. And it's weird. It's not like somebody 
printed their hand with like ink or something. It's kind of like if it makes sense whenever you have um, like like condensation on like a window and you sort of press your hand against it and it leaves that ghostly image of like your palm and your fingers, but it's kind of a more of a hint than like, you know, real direct. And so when she was holding the book in the light, she could see this handprint on there. And she just thought, well, that's really strange, really, really odd. And also the print just looked weird. The fingers seemed too long to be normal. Uh, the palm itself was like huge, almost like a basketball player's palm. The, the handprint basically covered up the entire front of her textbook, and the fingers even weren't, weren't even contained on the textbook cover. So really big and strange. Again, just a weird little thing that happens. If that was all that had happened, it, you just chalk it up to you know something bizarre. But she turns, and she's going to go leave. Well, she just happens to look out the window of her classroom up there on the fifth floor um, because she was just – basically, she was looking off in the distance to check the train. There was a nearby train bridge. You can actually see when the train arrives at the nearby station because um, that's how I used to check when the train was coming too, to like hustle up and get on it. So she looks out there for the train, and as she does, she sees something in the other building. So there's a courtyard outside my school. you got the five-floor uh, building where the girl was. And then across the courtyard is a three-floor building. And that building was just for like senior students and stuff, but they kind of face each other across a brief courtyard. And she just happened to look over the building because something caught her eye. And one of the dark windows on the third floor of the other building, she definitely saw movement. Like there's something there. And again, she didn't, she wasn't really freaked out at first because according to her, she thought like, oh, okay, it's just another student like me who was kind of silly and they forgot their textbook and they had to run back for it. You know, no big deal. That's fine. And so she turned to go back down the stairs, not really thinking about it, but something tickled the back of her brain. And so she turned back to the window because something about that movement was wrong. Something was off. And so she went back to the window, looking across, no longer movement over there. Okay. Just a trick of the light, just her imagination. But then she saw movement in a second story window. It was like whoever was over there had gone from the third floor to the second floor and was staring up at her, like kind of like watching her. Because she got that feeling, you know, that you get in the kind of the back of your, your neck when you know that, like, somebody's looking at you. And she's seeing the shape over there. And again, something is just weird about it. She can't put her finger on it, though. Disappears from the second uh, store window. And now she is getting properly freaked out. And, of course, you know, like about 30 seconds later, it appears at one of the first floor windows. And it's looking at her, up at her, like, unmistakably. There is a person over there looking at her. And she watches that, and she doesn't know what to do. She, you know, she wants to call the police, but she doesn't have her phone with her because this is back in the '90s, and nobody had a cell phone back oh, then. Oh God! Um, yeah, so she is like basically she thinks she's trapped up here, and like you know, some crazy guy's broken into the school. That's what she thinks at first, but it gets worse as she's watching out of the building, kind of paralyzed, unsure what to do, just can't move because of the fear. She sees it come out of that other building. And she said it crossed the courtyard down there, and it was kind of, again, not a lot of light out there, but she could definitely see it just wasn't moving correctly. It wasn't moving like a person should move. It was humanoid in shape, like it had, you know, two arms, two legs, you know, head, all that kind of stuff. But the arms were too long, and it seemed like they had more joints than they were supposed to. Same thing with the legs. It didn't move correctly. It kind of lurched across the thing, almost like it was a puppet on strings or something like that. Just, just something was just extremely wrong now so of course you know she realizes that she finally decides i have to do something she runs out of that classroom now the way my school was it had 
three stairwells that went up that fifth uh, floor building, one in the center and two at each end. And you could go up any of those three. So she runs back to the center one because she also knows basically that thing, whatever it is, if it comes for her, it's going to have to come up one of the stairwells and she has to pick like another one basically, or else she's going to get trapped. So she's waiting at that center stairwell, listening and listening. And then she hears the sounds of it basically kind of weird lurching skitter step on like the bottom stairs and they're echoing because the, the building's so empty and she knows it's on that stairwell. So she just takes off down the hall as fast as she can, runs to one of the stairwells at the other end, sprints down that as fast as she can. And then she hears it making noises now, not a scream, not a moan, just again, noises like it didn't have lungs that were formed properly, like they were ragged or something. It's this wheezing kind of uh, general sort of like ambient sound. And it kept like climbing the stairs as she was running down on the other side. And so she's like, well, if I can just get out of here before it realizes I've kind of juked it, I'll be okay. Gets to the ground floor, takes off out the front. As she's getting ready to squeeze back through the gate out front, she looks back over her shoulder up to the fifth floor in the room she had been standing in. And there it is in the window looking down at her. And she like looks up and she meets its eyes. And she said they were just like, they were so black. They reflected light, but it was almost like they were just all pupil in its face. And its face too, it was just kind of wrong. It was too long, too thin. She runs out of there, runs home. Well, that was the end of that night, but it's not quite the end of the story because it wouldn't be a Korean story if it didn't end this way. The next day, she goes back to school. She takes her test. She passes it. Because she still had the textbook, the textbook that she knew that that thing, whatever it was, it must have touched. It must have somehow cursed it. It must have wanted it and for marked it. And for that reason, uh, basically, it had been coming after her. But remember, she had to pass this test. And so she kept the textbook that night just to study with it. And the next day, as soon as she was done with that test, she went out back of the school, shredded the textbook into little itty bitty pieces got out a lighter she had stolen from her father the night before and burned it right there to make sure it would never come after her again. And that is the story of the high school. Dang. Yay. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> those Korea, some of those Korean schools, cause I, I, I worked in public schools in Korea. They can be creepy too. And they're, they're old. A lot of them are old. I don't know about how old was yours. Pretty old, right? Probably like 40, yeah, from 50 the years 90s, old. So like 30 something years now. Oh, yeah. I mean, our school was even older, probably. And I mean, still, by that time, it was it was over 20 years, 25 years old, something, you know. And just some of those corridors late at night, they don't <laughs> they don't always turn on the heater. Uh, yeah, man, it, it, it can it can definitely be creepy. But yes, they'll do anything to pass the test. Sometimes those kids are nuts, but they have to be. They really have to be. I don't know if I'd have kept the book. I think I might have torched it uh, sooner or, you know, it's like that Cthulhu thing, right? Because you're American, you know, you're not, you're not a Korean high school student. That is true. I don't know why I'm just getting, it just reminds me of Kentaro. He's like, study, 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 study. (laughs) You know, that's not at all, you know, that's not at all inaccurate for the school I was at. It was an academic school. So, I mean, it really was like the girls were that intense about it, basically. Mm -hmm. Ah, golden boy. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Dude, that was uh, we got we got to stop. Uh, that's that's a uh, that that would be like a Patreon episode there. So let's uh, yeah, we'll hold off. We'll hold off. All right, thank you, Brian, for that story. 
That You're is a pretty <laughs> chilling one, and I do not want to teach at your school uh, ever. So, Justin, I believe it is your turn. Let's hear what you're drinking and then get to your story. Sounds good. Not going to that school. I just, just not like, no, I'm good. Uh, no. <laughs> but, uh, what I'm drinking tonight is, uh, General 24. Mm. It's, uh, Korean soju. And it's, uh, the number one selling spirit in the world. So, uh, it's pretty good. I like it. Every time I hear that about that, I'm just like, man, this is just Korean marketing. <laughs> According to them, it's the number one selling. Hey, uh, actually, actually, if, if you look it up, it is. I'm sure it it's, is. I, we uh, talked about this when I had the Jinro 24. Don't you remember? Yep. I know. It, it's just, well, it, it, dude. If every Korean drinks it, like basically, yeah, I, mean, it's, man, I know, I know. It's it's a loyal customer base. That's okay, true. and it's kind of like how for a long time, fake Gucci purses were the number one purses in the world because loads of people. Okay. Yeah. No, I I did that Jinro uh, twenty four uh, a while back, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, oh, I. It must have been the. It might have been the subway story. I don't know. But yeah, it's a good one, man. It, yeah. Ugh, dude, we all got to get together and have like some Korean food or something. Yes, please. Oh I my gosh. So yeah, I mean that's a pretty good one. I'd I'd have like uh, I feel though like just I don't I don't know if, about you, but uh, do you just drink it straight or what? Uh straight or on the rocks. Oh, oh I, I I I don't yeah. think I could do soju on the rocks, yeah, man. You're a braver man than me. Oh my god! In a shot glass and then in directly into a bottle of Cass, and then you drink it. Oh, I've, you... I've done I've done soju bombs before. Yes, that got yeah, me yeah, obliterated buddy. at a bar. Um, well, you I gotta think... remember, I'm I'm an Appalachian boy. So uh, you're you're a goddamn right. professional. Hey, you damn right, <laughs> damn right. I mean, I, I I could pull out instead of the soju, I could pull out Appalachian moonshine right now. I mean, straight white lightning. <laughs> Have you ever had Rain that burns blue? But Ooh, no. it's so Korean sad. night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moonshine will like make you black out. Yeah. Yeah. Um a little bit of rock get here. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nathaniel, I don't think you weren't with us that night, were you? We were at that bar that was like it used to be a church. You know what I mean? No. Uh, I know I know. Were you, were you in was, Appalachia? Uh, no, I'm talking, sorry, I'm talking about Korea. I know Josh uh, was, and then I ended up I ended up sitting at a table with a bunch of Korean college kids. Oh god. They're playing drinking games and like Koreans love drinking games. They have like a million of them. It's really fun. I didn't really have a clue what they were doing because I was already drunk. But I ended up doing soju bombs with them. Oh my god. Such a mistake. And then I literally don't remember the rest of the night. I remember waking up laying on the toilet seat in the bathroom (laughs) with like my friends like basically having to break down the door and they like see me and the manager there was like and Korean is like asking if I'm okay. (laughs) They hustle me into a cab. I wake up again later, like the cab driver has somehow found his way to my place. Oh my I get God. out of the cab, vomit immediately onto the street, and like stumble up into my building. I was so drunk. <laughs> yeah, I know oh this God. is a bit of a segue, but I've got to tell you, I think Korean taxi cab drivers have probably have some of the most crazy stories ever. That's yeah. all. That's yeah. all Dude, I'm gonna say. I, let's let's start with my story here. So, I lived in Kansas City for a little while. I was homeschooled with. Uh, I, I, there were the church I was a part of had kind of like a little homeschool community. Mm. Um, 
And I don't remember everybody. In fact, I don't remember the other students' names. I wasn't really friends with them, but I don't remember everybody's name. I wasn't really friends with uh, this particular two students, but they were from Korea. And uh, a friend of mine uh, was having his birthday. Well, he was also good friends with them, and they offered to have his birthday party at their house, which was nice of them. Really cool. And we all got together. We're 14 to 16 years old, and we're all playing Halo. Uh, It's back when Halo 1 was out on the Xbox. We just all got our Xboxes, had a brought TVs, and had a big LAN party. And all just shooting each other, playing Halo. Well, as it got later into the night, you know, we got a little bored of just playing Halo. So we started telling ghost stories. And their dad actually came down, hung out with us, made sure everything was all right. Um, and was listening to our ghost stories. He was like, how would I tell you all one? And uh, didn't specify that it was him or not. Uh, but I don't know. I, I heard it from uh, the guy's dad. So about starting the story, uh, about a week after moving to Busan, um, guy had a new apartment. Well, started hearing a woman visit the apartment next door. Strangely, she only came at around midnight, um, right before he went to sleep. Right as he was going to sleep, he, right before he was there, uh, he would hear the sound of high heels climbing the concrete steps. Not the usual, you know, click, clack, click, clack, someone who's, you know, walking casually, but as if they're running. This continued for about two weeks, every night. And, you know, according to the guy's dad, uh, maybe he did specify it was his experience. Um, Because according to the guy's dad, you know, it was a mix of envy and frustration because, you know, he couldn't sleep, but there was a woman in high heels clearly wanting to get somewhere. After a while, he noticed something strange. Even though the apartment had poor soundproofing, he never heard any conversation from the neighbor or after the footsteps. Even weirder is that the woman always passed by his apartment at the end of the corridor. Mm. Doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a wall deeper inside, but it basically separates the uh, apartment from the corridor and the exterior of the building. After realizing this, he spent a week listening to the footsteps that seemed to go to nobody's apartment. Well, after about a week, the woman's footsteps stopped in front of his door. He would come and go as usual, but would always stop in front of his door. You mean stop like for the night? Like it it, it would be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then... It would come up to his door and stop? Yes, like she would stop and stand there. And that was it. That's where it ended for the evening. So it's like, okay. 
yeah, she she'd stop and stand in front of his door, and then he wouldn't hear anything. And you know that's kind of scary, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, until then she'd kind of just wandered through the hall, up and down the stairs, went into the other apartment that didn't exist. But you know, uh, now she just stopped in front of his door. Well, uh, the guy's dad started wondering what happened. You know, then as he's trying to sleep, laying in his bed, you know, thinking, oh man, something's not right. You know, what's going on? Well, the moment he thought that, he heard her footsteps walking through his house, through his apartment. He doesn't remember opening the name, getting up to open the door. He has no idea how she could have got in because he made sure his doors were locked. He had no idea. Well, as he's wondering this, here's the tapping until the tapping stops. Tapping of her high heels stops just outside of his bedroom door. And, you know, he's thinking to himself, man, this is dangerous. I don't know what's going on. I I don't really want to get up out of bed. Then he hears, this is bad. It's not here either. In a woman's voice. Then he passes out. Next day, gets up and opens his bedroom door. Thinking it's a dream, right? There's no way that could have happened, right? It's got to be a dream when he gets up. He opens his bedroom door. There's dirty footprints. High-heeled footprints throughout his house. And you know it's not his family. Sorry, I, I just I just thought of that yeah, because no, no, they, he, they take their shoes not. off. You take your shoes off in Korea, so. Yeah, no, he, he was, uh, he said that this happened when he was in his early 20s. What would it have been? I don't know. I, like, what could it be? Because it's not like if mom is walking around in her high heels in the apartment, dad's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? You're making the floor messy, you know? Did he have a sister? Nope. Uh, he was living alone at that time. Wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, so this guy's living alone. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I'm like. Yeah, yeah. He's living alone at that time. Oh, okay. I, I was listening to it wrong. Okay, yeah. So you're living all alone in then Oh, my God. How big is this apartment? It's like it. it he didn't say. So it, if it's probably well, if it, a bachelor pad. Okay, so it's probably like it seems like he has a couple rooms. So I, I'd say probably has a bedroom, and then he's got like a combination dining room, kitchen, and, and a bathroom. You know, because that sounds more like a bachelor pad. Oof! You know, you're just listening for it every night. It's like yeah. that. That's intense. Like. Can, it, it, Although my hallway, I could hear all kinds of stuff going on uh, around the entryway. Like, just anything, anyone that came up to the, because the elevator's right there, uh, anyone that walked, like, right by the entryway, I could hear it. I always wondered what my uh, what my neighbors could hear from my apartment. So, <laughs> I was like, eh, I don't know. I'll have to ask Seth one day. So, so imagine hearing that. Outside your door for weeks. No thanks. And, and then suddenly you're about to fall asleep and you hear it suddenly inside your apartment and then right outside your bedroom door. Yeah. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, that's a that 
Well, outside your bedroom door, that that freaked me the heck out, man. I wonder what the ghost was looking for. uh, Yeah, okay, yeah. What is it looking for? Because that could have been her old apartment. Or she was like in that, I don't know, like maybe she lived in that apartment building or something. And I don't know. Like that, that's a real, that's, that's kind of freaky. Unless it's, I, I mean, if you want to venture into the realm of it being some other kind of entity. I mean, that's possible. Oh, or wouldn't it be freakier if it was like some kind of law enforcement or not even law enforcement, but like some kind of agency, you know, <laughs> it's like some clandestine and they're just looking for whatever. Oh, not here. I don't know. All right. Well, Justin, thank you for that one. That's a pretty neat one. Uh, Mitch. It wasn't a personal story, but I heard it. So Yeah, 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 that's good. Mitch, I believe it is your turn. Go ahead and tell us what you're drinking, and then tell us your story. All right, sounds good. Well, tonight I am doing a spin on your typical gold rush. I basically call it cursed gold, because instead of using... um. Whiskey, I like to use dark rum. And guess what? It's Kraken rum, and it's so good. But yeah, it doesn't have the same oh, look. Oh, is it Kraken rum? Yeah, it is. <laughs> is it Kraken? I, I don't think I ever heard of that. <laughs> I uh, well, I usually go to their website and try and find stuff to do for our show, and I didn't have time to get all the parts. So I was like, okay, what do I already have? So I was like, oh, okay, well, I have the honey um, simple syrup that I make. So I just made myself a, a, a gold rush, but with... The uh the rum it's actually really good, nice gold rush. I'm gonna have to try one of those. Yeah. So well, yeah. The next time I see you, I'll probably make you a couple, and then you'll be on the ground. So it's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, tonight my story actually follows the friendship of two young boys. They're roughly about age where you would be going to, I think, first grade, and their moms became best friends, and uh, they were best friends. And the reason this came about is because they lived kind of in the same um, corridor-type uh, apartments. And one day, one of the the younger boy of the two, he has this nightmare. And he, he wakes up, and he, he goes outside to his front window, and he just keeps hearing this and he looks down, and he sees his mom. She's kind of out of it, and she's at the front, kind of like apartment gate. But in front of her, doing a crab walk, head convulsing back and forth, is this Grim Reaper-type figure just in front of her at, this, at their apartment front gate. And he is crawling with his hands and knees like you do as a crab walk. And as soon as the boy sees the Grim Reaper, he looks back at him and he has like these black shadow flame type mist and um mist isn't the right word. It's like um smoke just pours out of his eyes and the kid starts to scream. But then he actually does begin to wake up, and he's not having that actually happen. He was in his own dream. This so is a little boy. Is yeah. this a Korean Grim Reaper? Yes, yes. So for those of you who don't know, it, do you mind if I explain it? Oh, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so Korean Grim Reaper, 
looks like a Korean, well, a lot of times it's depicted like Korean nobility in the, like the typical Yangban Hanbok, which is Hanbok is traditional Korean clothing. Yangban is the elite people. And it, it would be like all black with a, like, like a white inner shirt. And then it would ha- they'd have, they have this like little kind of Korean style top hat mm-hmm. on there that is also black. And and they're typically quite pale, and I think there's some depictions of them with the, like those kind of crazy eyes and things. But, um, but yeah, they they come to escort you to the afterlife. But yeah, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, I just wanted to mm-hmm. clarify that. Go ahead. So he wakes up, which he thought originally he was in a dream, but he comes to crying in the morning before school, and he tells his mom exactly what happens. So both the boys and their moms, they don't go to school that day. They go next. Basically, she tells the other mom about what happened. And they all decide to go and visit the shaman instead of going to school that day. So they reveal this whole entire situation to the shaman. And his response was bone-chillingly cold. He just tells the mom, the son of that house will die. And that right where that was that was across the street from his best friend he tells her this this is there's no solution to this this is this is irreversible fate this will come to pass she was so angry and upset she basically runs away and takes her son with her but then the shaman turns to the other mom and says however your son will live they're both kind of shocked at the moment and they don't really know what to you know so a couple months go by and nothing happens, and they just go back to living the life that they had before, like as if nothing happened, or they, you know, they just try and put it out of your, you know, out of your mind. You don't think about it. So one Saturday, they went to the market together like they normally did, and they were coming down their street. Well, the little boy, the oldest one, he tells his mom, "Mom, I gotta go to the bathroom, and I, I can't wait." So he books it down all the way down the street and then starts to make a turn into their apartment. They continue walking, but then the youngest boy hears the calling of one of the fruit trucks continued down further past the apartment. And, he and asks his mom, mm-hmm, go ahead. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who don't know about Korean fruit trucks, like there, there's all kinds of different trucks in Korea. And especially this probably probably. This sounds like this probably happened in like the 90s, 80s, 90s, something like that. And the trucks drive around the neighborhoods with a loudspeaker calling out like bread or bananas or fruit or, or whatever. So, so that's what he, he's hearing right now. Yeah. And he's like, Mom, Mom, can, before we go inside, can we, can we go get some fruit? And I think they were having uh, some watermelon on the truck. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. And then she asked the other mom, yeah, do you want to come? So she's like, well, uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure. You two go on without me. So those two go up the street, and they start to get some watermelon. And the watermelon truck starts to make that noise. As they're slicing and cutting pieces. Well, the little boy who went before, who had to go to the restroom, the apartment wasn't unlocked and so 
he can't hold it anymore, and he doesn't wait for his mom. So he runs back downstairs to grab the keys from his mom as she reached the front of the apartment. And on doing so, he doesn't check to watch the street, like to cross the street, and the fruit truck that was up ahead comes barreling down, runs over the boy, almost hitting his mom. His body goes flying into the apartment gates and shatters, and just is a grisly scene. There was nothing they could do. The boy was dead on the spot. That's sad. Imagine that. Like, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't laugh. The mom was making the same noise as the truck in the dream. It's so creepy. Oh, that's messed up. That's why I was like, oh my gosh, that's nuts. Because, oh yeah, so. It's Ah, awful. Like, but I mean, imagine like an, an event causes the other one and then the green reapers hanging around right before because he knows the that the impending death is coming and like it's just the way that it's depicted like the the reaper is just like almost licking like his chops for this type of event like it's just it's creepy like how it i I don't know it it, almost like the little boy wasn't supposed to be seeing this sort of yeah yeah yeah. that's happening in within his own dream at the time, so it was like oh, I got to tell this story. It it's a uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty spooky one. And like, okay, so here's the thing: I I hear about interactions with shamans a lot. I've I've watched like some doc. I've watched several documentaries about it. Uh, I, I've read a little bit about it, and 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 you see like when you get involved with them, it's like you've kind. I almost. I don't know. I feel like you break a seal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it worth doing it? Is it really going to bring something good about, right? Or right. is it just going to cause something to happen? It. What does it fuel? What? Do, see, that. that's, I would never, I, I just could never do that. I, I, I mean, as interesting as it would be to even interview a shaman, I especially in Korea, I I just don't think I could do it. Yeah, like I I, I just would. I don't want to be involved. We'll put we'll, Justin on. We'll send Justin. <laughs> There's a mountain behind a haunted palace. Um, behind a haunted palace in Seoul. <laughs> I went on the ghost tour, and 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 Sean was like, Sean from uh, the Dark Side of Seoul. He's like, yeah, um. So this palace is haunted, and that mountain is uh, full of. Uh, sh- there's a mountain you can't see it because of the fog obscuring it. Uh, is full of shamans. I'm like, oh, is that all? And, but well, and, and here's the thing. And it's like people. Oh, well, shamans. It's just a religious tradition. But but the thing is, the shamans in Korea, it, it's like they are the ghost whisperers. Uh, just in so times, ten, they're like you times ten. Yeah, and then, I, I, I I talk with them. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Justin times ten. Okay, that's that's the that's the scary part. And then they also have their own personal deities or something that they talk to that gives them their shamanic powers. It basically keeps the spirits from killing them or something. It, it it's it's intense. We I think we will eventually do an 
episode about shamans, but we just really have to approach that with care because it's it's something else, man. So that is my story. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> just remember, kids, if you buy fruit, your friend will die. <laughs> no, no. Always look both ways before crossing the street. And that, that too. Is, yes. That's, that's the. That's right. Yes. Yeah. All right, Mitch. Well, thanks for that story. I think that was a great way to wrap up for tonight. And I just want to thank all of our guests for coming in and contributing tonight. And we hope you all enjoyed the show. I hope you all have a chance to try some of these delicious drinks. And, you know, just be sure to check us out on social media. We mostly do Instagram and uh, Twitter or X as it is now known. So look us up there. I'll see if I can get a couple posts out this week. We've been pretty busy, but we'll we'll see what we can do. We're getting better about it, I think. And, you know, just uh, keep your eyes peeled. There's some stuff that we really want to do, but we did want to get the special Korean episode out to you. It's going to be kind of a precursor to some other interesting things we will be doing. So thank you once again for listening to our show, and we will talk to you next time. One Hundred Ghostly Candles is written and produced by Nathaniel Miller and Mitch Hammond. Join us on social media at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to discuss this episode and more. If you have an interesting story or a question, shoot us an email at connect.laughinglanterns at outlook.com. If you like tonight's show, be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your family and friends. Thank you for listening to our ghostly tale.